Hey everybody, this is Eric of the Fat Packs. Wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors this week. Badger Breaks, Dynasty Breaks, Grand Slam Collectibles, Pastime Marketplace. And of course, our phone guests appear on the AI AB Card Breaks hotline. Make sure you're checking all the websites out and of course on social media as well and tell them the Fat Pack sent you. Now, on to the show. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot the shot. And we are back. This is the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Eric Norton. Thank you so much for joining this week. I really appreciate it. As always, as I always say, thanks so much. I know that you have other things to do. You have other other shows you can be listening to. So hanging out with me uh, for a little while is really cool. I appreciate that a lot. All right. Uh, I'm going to just be straight up honest with you. This is a long show. We sat down yesterday with Ken Kinsley and uh, what was supposed to be a 25-minute uh, interview uh, segment ended up being 40. So I don't have a lot of time for fluff here. I, I want to be a respecter of your time. So just know that that going in, that that interview is a little bit of a long one. Also, I was trying out a new mic setup, and the audio came out kind of funky. It, it's it, You can still hear it, but it's a left-right thing. I'm sorry about that. I will change that in the future. It won't happen again. But I don't want to just scrap the whole 40 minutes because it was, it was a pretty good segment. Uh, so just know that going in. And uh, I apologize, and we'll, we'll get it corrected on the other end. Now, before we get to the show, I want to thank uh, our sponsors. I want to thank, uh, of course, Dynasty Breaks and Badger Breaks. Thank you very much for being a part of the show. Make sure you're checking them out at their websites and in their Facebook groups where you can get in uh, on exclusive Facebook uh, options there. Uh, of course, our friends up at Grand Slam Collectibles up in Tennessee, man, they pulled a monster last night out of their, out of their break for a good one champions. It was a Luca auto on card and, uh, that good one, it looks, well, it's the exquisite. So it looks really cool. Uh, it's, it's, um, minus logos obviously, but it still looks nice. And then of, uh, of course, AIAB card breaks where you can hear them, uh, you can check them out. I'm sorry. Check them out on their on their webpage and on their Facebook group. And they are, of course, they bring you the AIAB Card Breaks Hotline, uh, which we'll feature at Sport Card Backs this week. Uh, we are talking all about Sport Card Backs. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun conversation later in the show. Uh, Got to do new products and new pricing. New pricing-wise, we just have one. Top's Finest Baseball is now priced for you in your online price guide. Go check that out. And uh, new 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 product wise, it's been a big week. Like I, I mentioned, Goodwin Champions is out. Uh, Top Stadium Club Baseball is out, which uh, Paul Worth, my former co-host, pulled a monster last night out of that. He pulled a Shohei Otani, Mike Mike Trout, one of one autograph. Um, just killing it right there. Don Russ Elite Football is out. 2018-19 Panini Chronicles Basketball is out, and a sleeper that I really enjoy. Uh, 2018-19 Panini Immaculate Soccer is out. That's a that's a fun product. So all that is out on your shelf. Go check it out. And uh, let's see those hits. Post them up on Twitter. Tag us on them so we can uh, uh, give you a little love on that. All right. Uh, as I said, it's a it's a long show. And I, I, Ken and I went 40 minutes. We, we're talking 02, 03, Sign of the Times insert uh sign of the time inserts from spa uh that's that's our insert set of the month and or called inserted and then of course uh <laughs> we have a conversation about kind of passive aggressive post on on social media about 
leaving the hobby. So it ended up being 40 minutes. I'm, it, it wasn't intentional. It, it just happened. And again, the microphone uh, setup was, was odd, and that's my fault, so it won't happen again. And then on the other side of that, uh, we have Andy uh, at, Sport, at Sport Card Backs. He is coming on, and we're talking all about Sport Card Backs on the AIAB Card Breaks Hotline. All right, again, long show. I apologize, but I hope you enjoy it. Hang tight, and we'll be right back. This is AJ from The Lost Collector, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, we're back after that quick break. want to thank uh, everybody who hung around for it. Again, thank my sponsors uh, as I run them off the top of my head here. Dynasty Breaks, Badger Breaks, AIAB Card Breaks, who uh, you'll hear on the hotline a little bit later on today with my guys, Sport Card Backs. Uh, also, Pastime Marketplace, who has got a wonderful case that he was he was, he was was on the show last week. Really want you to go check those out. And then I feel like I'm missing somebody. Did I get all four of them there? I think that was I believe that. Was I think four. I did. And speaking of that, you know, advertising works. I tweeted out, and I know you saw it, that I had actually been talking to my wife the night before last week's episode dropped, saying that you know I needed, I wanted to get something, a case that sure, you know, if I needed to run, you know, basically had my stuff in it that I cared about, and uh, then you ran that, so I am actually actually going to pick up one of those awesome so it does work if you don't know by now that's the voice of mr ken kinsley beans ball card blog on uh, uh on, on twitter what's the handle there beans b card blog all right and then uh it's on facebook too right yeah, yeah but i don't really you do know, anything uh, twitter's where i am and yeah i guess i did talk before you introduced me yeah that's My okay bad. that's My all bad. right you know you've been around here enough that people know your voice so uh that's that all right we got two things we got to do uh, if you're here, that means we're doing inserted. That's that's the main reason you're usually here now. Uh, your monthly segment where we talk about uh, an I, I don't want to say iconic, but uh, we talk about a insert set that has uh, been won by a voter poll. And this time around, it was 0203 SP authentic sign of the time autographs. That's where we can start. But I also advertised uh, mentioned. We're going to have a conversation about 12 uh, posts on social media about guys or girls leaving the hobby and, like, how how that's perceived. I'll leave, I'll leave it up to you. Where do you want to start, Ken? Let's, uh, let's leave the opinion for the last. All let's, right. Uh, let's go ahead and deal with more, more facts. More facts. Okay. All right. So uh, this, was a, this was a fun little Twitter poll. We had a baseball, basketball, football, and uh, hockey product. Uh, I was really hoping that the baseball would win. It was grassroots from uh, Fleer Game Time, I believe, uh, 02. And then every, so everything was from 02. Then in Fuego from basketball had a nice card of Carl Malone that I posted along with this tweet when it was out. And you pointed out that he looked like The Rock. I was wondering if I, I, I remembered saying that recently, and I couldn't remember if it was that picture that got me to say it or what. And then Bound for Glory uh, was the football set. That was a that was a jersey set, and um, that was a second was the second year Tom Brady cards of two thousand two or is that or is that am I he am I wrong? He was a rookie in two thousand. I'm sorry, so that's, all right. So third year rookie. I was third year rookie. Third year jersey cards from uh, from Tom Brady in that set, and uh, that one actually had a sell on it recently, and still went for a pretty little penny for for a, a, a napkin basically. I mean, I feel like from what I've seen, I don't collect football. I don't collect modern football, but from 
Well, I'm saying, I mean, I feel like anything from that early to mid-90s Brady, like, yeah. it's literally as close to gold as you can get. Like, sure. It just it seems like ridiculous prices for those. Yeah, it, it really does. You said early to mid-90s, you mean early early 2000s. Or early 2000s. Yeah, you know, I also got to throw this out there to, to bash on a couple of Colts fans. I lived in Indianapolis for mm-hmm. a long time. And I used to say that Brady was such a better quarterback than Manning. And everybody told me how wrong I was. So, upon further review, (laughs) some of those uh, Manning uh, apologists like to uh, go back and uh, talk about that. But anyway, I definitely had to throw that in there. That's uh, an an interesting fact there. But on to uh, the hockey set here. This is the second hockey set we have done and inserted. Uh, The first time around, it was the mask. This time we're going a little bit more uh, high-end feel, I guess, with the autographs, especially the names on this list. Uh, SP Authentic is a is a brand from Upper Deck that, by this time in 2002-03, is a brand that's been around for a while. It's a pretty popular one, but the autographs here is where it really kicks off. And then Sign of the Times is just really, I'll use the word iconic, it's an iconic sub-brand or subset uh, or insert set that that is an Upper Deck product with going with golf and football and hockey and basketball and NASCAR. It's, NASCAR, it's everywhere. Yeah. So Sign of the Times is really an a insert set that has a name behind it. But let's talk about the checklist because this is kind of a, this is littered with a, who, this is a who's who, littered with a, a few who the hell is that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so, you know, we did, there's some research on it. So, First things first, I you know you've talked about and you out you like to ask folks. Oh, you stopped collecting for a while. Why did you stop collecting? I've actually been going for thirty two straight years, but I did have some lean years, kind of college and sure. early getting my you know adult life. And this was definitely kind of a time where I was still collecting, but I wasn't collecting as much. I didn't really recall any of those inserts that were on the thing, so that, really? was, that was kind of interesting. But yeah, like you said, SP Authentic Sign of the Times. I was really into. NASCAR around 98, 99, 2000. They ran them over there. I mean, this is, they ran them in all sports because Upper Deck was doing all sports. And, you know, you may not like my opinion, but you'll hear me every once in a while say things about back when jersey cards and autographs meant something. Sure. And they did back then. I mean, now a lot of autographs are, they're the new, autographs are the new base card. Yeah. They really are. And, you know, here we're talking about, so we have three tiers of this. Right. We have single autographs, dual autographs, and triple. Triple, yeah. triple. We'll call them triple. Well, there's no pack. There were no odds that I could find on the doubles and triples. The singles were still one in ninety six packs. Mm. So I believe you're probably to a point where we were twenty four packs a box. We weren't thirty six anymore. So you're talking these. The bottom tier was still one in four boxes. So probably three autographs per case. Wow. Again, back when autographs were something special, sure. they meant something. You know, even the low-end guys, you were happy to pull a low. You were just happy to get one. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear people going, oh, well, you know, my box stunk. And, you know, you got six autographs. And, you know, different right. time. Different Absolutely time. Absolutely different time. Um, I, pulling an autograph back then, just like you said, was the highlight of your month, probably, you know. If, you, if you're buying boxes. Yeah, so, especially if you're that person that was just buying one box at a time. Sure. If you could afford to go in and buy a case, okay, well, yeah, you know, you're going to get your four autographs out of something like this. Right. But, yeah, if you're like me who was a young adult, 
yeah, I could buy boxes, and I couldn't buy boxes when I was a teenager, but I still was only able to really buy one box. Sure. It wasn't like I could go in and buy a full case. So Absolutely. But, yeah. So let's talk about some of the names on here. We don't have to hit all of them because there's 56 subjects on here. So um, let, just go down the list. Tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very it's a very impressive list. When you consider that, you know, 56 is how many are there, and you still hear some of these names that are in there, yeah, there's some, some that are rougher. Um, but even some of the low-end guys, as somebody who did follow hockey back then, the very first one I see is Arthur Zerbe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Got his in the 300-win club. So, and this is a guy that, you know, is more on the low-end. But if we want to talk about, you know, and even some talk about low, lower, maybe not the lowest price, but a Curtis Joseph short print. Sure. And he's not even considered a star in this. And Joseph has a following, again, probably another borderline Hall of Fame right. uh, goaltender. But I yeah, was, I was just looking at goalies today, and I think Joseph is in the top 10 or 15 and wins. It's something like yeah, that. So it's, people don't even realize. Yeah, it. it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, those guys, especially. Some of those guys started playing in the 90s. Those guys were playing, you know, out of 82 games, they were playing 70 games a year. Right. They were getting a lot of wins. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, hopefully they were hopefully getting a lot of wins. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, some of the guys, as we go through these singles here, I mean, it's literally, it's not just a who's who from that time. And you got to keep in mind, we're talking 17 years ago. So sure. you're only going to hear a couple of names in here of guys that are still playing. Right. Um, but legends and, and you know, some bigger names of the time, some of the ones I highlighted. So in the single signatures, you've got Bobby Orr, mm-hmm. Gordy Howe, Henrik Zetterberg, Joe I, Thornton, who's I, still playing. I believe Zetterberg, that's his rookie season, too. I think it's his rookie season. That might be because I feel like he was playing up until not too long ago, right. so that sounds right with it being 17 years. You know, and then there's some guys in here, to be honest, that I didn't highlight even on this first page yeah. that are still names, guys like Danny Heatley. Yep. We mentioned Curtis Joseph, uh, Jay Boomeister, mm-hmm. Jerome Aginla, who's probably a Hall of Famer, and I didn't actually even highlight him. You know, like just I, looking at this now, um, I was doing some price changes today in the office, and I actually bumped all Jerome Aginla's cards because, like, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. And this is, like, I feel like he's low. And I went ahead and gave him a bump. So, <laughs> well, I had uh, I'd actually bought uh, a few years ago when I lived in India and I shopped at uh, Indie Card Exchange. He had some uh, SP boxes really cheap from that rookie year, and uh, yeah, I was shocked at how I was just shocked at how low that the actual prices were on his SP rookies. I mean, they were like a couple of bucks, three bucks. Now I don't remember if that was the book value or just the going or you know what I was seeing, but nonetheless. Like, this guy's probably a Hall of Famer and, yeah, not going for a lot. Mm. What about on that second page? Because that second page is where it kind of gets interesting as uh, some of the names are, are kind of hit or miss. Yeah, some of the, again, the bigger names that I highlighted. Uh, Martin Brodeur was mm-hmm. a short print. So, you know, you add Martin Brodeur and short print, you're looking at a nice card. Sure. Uh, Patrick Wall, Ray Bork, Steve Yeiserman, Wayne Gretzky. And if you want to talk about a couple of guys that uh, – you know, or not in that upper elite tier, but I was shocked to see that Pavel Bure, yeah. uh, you know, was as low, you know, had as low of a price as it did. Uh, speaking of which, did you see that they're going to bring back the uh, old puck jersey with all the colors? Oh, God, that's hideous. Oh, no, it's not. You're so wrong. <laughs> 
That, the, you're talking about Vancouver, right? Yes. Yeah, those things are hideous. No, edit that out. Anyway, <laughs> edit that out. Uh, but some other names on this page that we're looking at uh, that I didn't even highlight: Tamu Solani. Yeah. Uh, I mean, huge goal scorer. Uh, Spezza, Jason Spezza, who's still in the league I, here in Dallas. I believe that's his rookie season as well. Uh, maybe the same for Gagne, because I mean, mm-hmm. and Rick Nash. Rick Nash. Okay. So, and then Sergei Samsonov, one of the, you know, he was supposed to be the next Wayne Gretzky. Right. We know how that materialized, but yeah. So that kind of rounds out. Some of those names around that. But, I mean, even those second-tier guys, Marcus Naslin was a solid player for a long time. Right, he sure was. Martin Havlott, Mike Comrie had some really good years. And these are the commons, mm-hmm. as I do my air quotes. Right. Um, but, yeah, so a very, very impressive checklist and even the, the solo ones. So then we get into the duels. And, I mean, anytime that you can get a, get a duel with, a, say, I don't know, Wayne Gretzky and Gordie Howell, that's a good day, right? So... Uh, those were numbered. The duels were numbered to ninety nine. Uh, Gretzky and Howe are, you know, probably the biggest on the list. But you mentioned Conrad. Gretzky and Conrad have a card together. Uh, Bobby Orr and Jay Bowmeister have a card together. Patrick Wall and Ray Bork have a card together. It's this is kind of where it's where it's at for me in this. Before we get to the triples, and I mean, and if you're a, you know if you're a specific team collector, so to speak, um, you know, you've got like a Bobby Orr and Ray Bork. I mean, right. that would have been Bork, I believe that would have been pre-Colorado. So, you know, if you're a Bruins fan, I mean, how is that a card that's not potentially on your, or close to your Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. sure. um, from that era? Um, or if you're a Red Wings fan, Steve Eiserman and Gordie Howe. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, and I wonder if uh, Iserman will see a little bit of a bump in price. I don't know if you've seen that, because didn't he go back as the GM now? Yeah. And maybe yeah. they love him all over again. Maybe they do. Maybe. You know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's, uh, let's see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, even when you look at some of the other ones, I mean, with them being dual autographs, almost every card has at least one of the guys you would like. Sure. The first one that I don't have a highlight on is Mike Comrie and Jerome Aginla. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Simone Gagne and Pavel Brendel. So, I mean, it's like everyone has at least one of those guys that you're like, if you pull that, you're mm-hmm. not going to be very upset about it. Uh, Solani and Evgeny Nabokov. Yeah. Thornton and Samson. I'm, I'm looking at Healy and uh, Kovacek. Col- 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 it's, it's just kind of a the best where it gets. But then you get to the, uh, the, the next page. Those are number 25. Those are the triples. And that's really where you start to... to to see the, the 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 gold start to shimmer. Yeah, I mean, of those we've got, it looks like six of those, and I, you know, I have three highlighted as to call out. And of those three, the third one, the lower, would be the a Steve Eiserman, Zetterberg. Wait, am I looking at the wrong thing here? Oh, that one was. Oh, that one was still. Uh, that was that still a do- Sorry. So on the uh, so on the triples. Sorry, I had two of the five highlighted. There you go. Uh, you got a Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, Joe Thornton. Nice. Uh, I mean, I know Thornton wasn't there for the long haul, but he did have, you know, did have some solid years in Boston before he was traded. So, right. You know, there's three Hall of Famers on that card right there. Absolutely. Um, and then the big boy is arguably the three top players in the history of the NHL. I know right. you can argue some other guys, but Gretzky and Howe and Bobby Orr. I mean, yeah. you know, that definitely I, is Mount Rushmore right there. I think you would be hard-pressed to find a better trio on a signed card in hockey. I, it's you would It would be really, really tough. I mean, maybe if it's a, maybe if it's a cut auto of, you know, some, some early, early guys, but 
this this card right here kind of defines hockey for three eras of, of hockey, really. Pretty much. I mean, the whole, in general, I mean, I can't say the whole history of hockey because there was hockey, you know, as far right. back as, uh, obviously, the late 1900s. But, yeah, from the 50s up through, you know, Gretzky played into the 2000s. So Absolutely. you're talking, you know, more than 50 years of he hockey. Played in, yeah, he played until 98, 99. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. I knew it was right there at, like, right, right around yeah, 2000. Right there, yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, and then even some of the other ones again, you've got a Danny Heatley, Comrie, Jerome Aginla. So you got a you got a Hall of Famer there. Uh, you got a Spezza, Zetterberg, Boomeister. I mean, I don't know, if, I don't know enough to know if Zetterberg and Boomeister are Hall of Famers, but I mean, I know they played for a long time and at a high level. And then Thornton, Samsonoff, and Ray Bork. Right. I mean, you can't go. Sure, if you get Heatley, Comrie, Aginla, or Spezza, Zetterberg, Boomeister, you may go. Man, I wish I'd had that Gretzky Howe or, but you can't be too sad. That's still a pretty darn good day. It is a good day. So let's let's move on to some recent sales that you that you were able to find. And I see the number one on the list right here. And the most is it the most recent? Yeah, it has to be. No, these are just what I did. Is I just oh, okay. pulled I, anything recent, and then I pulled the highest to lowest. Okay, I got you. So uh, that Bobby Orr, Bork, and Thornton uh, out of twenty five, back on May tenth, sold for two hundred and twenty five dollars. Uh, I have it priced. I say I because I'm the one that did the pricing on this. Uh, let me see. I have it right at 150 to 300. So it's right there in that wheelhouse where it's supposed to be. Uh, but 225 for those three, that doesn't seem like a bad deal at all. It really doesn't because let's just be honest. This is a uh, what are we looking at? A 17 year old card set. How right. often? I these card numbered out of 25 coming available. We see that even on guys that are collecting, you know, guys my age now that are going back and collecting right. their guys that were from the early, you know, 2000s right. or whatever. Absolutely. And you don't, there's cards numbered out of 100 that you just don't see the cards anymore. So, uh-huh. you know, maybe it's because it is an autograph, it made it out, but still to be able to even find one of those at this point seems pretty, uh, pretty fantastic for whoever made the purchase. And right below that, I see, um, Wayne Gretzky, dual auto. Who's that? Who's that on there with him? Is it Mike Comrie? I'm wondering if it's the Comrie. It doesn't yeah. really look like. And it's it's coming in there at 150 dollars, pretty much. So it's a, a nice little piece of Wayne Gretzky history that you can pick up for for you know 150 bucks. It's not a bad deal. No, I mean, what is uh what are some of the lower prices on any Gretzky autographs? Exactly. I mean, I'm, I've been pricing a lot of Gretzky autographs lately. And I've been seeing them in the you know the the two hundred to three hundred dollar range. So coming in, I, I don't know why a dual autograph number to ninety nine would come in less than that. But hey, here you go. Here's an example. Uh, I do feel like I've heard people going, "Oh, well, this guy on there brings the value." Who knows? But right. nonetheless, I mean, I guess if you're a Mike, Com- maybe a, you know, if you're a Mike Comrie collector, though. <laughs> exactly. Which if there's any of you out there, please email me directly. I'd like to talk to you. Uh, a lot of the next ones are Bobby Orr autographs. Uh, so let, I want to go back and look at the pricing of the Bobby Orr. I believe I have a price sixty one fifty, and these are all in that seventy five dollar range. There's one here that's that's fifty two, and there's another one that maybe maybe went a little lower that was a best offer. But uh, Bobby Orr is another autograph that I feel like I was low on and I've been changing lately. So this tells me that if you can go pick a Bobby Orr up for pennies basically do that yeah the only you know and obviously as with any but any of us you know we're not going to be signing forever 
Now, I do feel like Bobby Orr has a lot of auto. He's, yeah. he's a very big signer, so right. maybe that's helped keeping those prices down. Gretzky signing a lot less than uh, Bobby Orr is. Um, and Gordy Howe signed a lot less than Bobby Orr did. So but. with Bobby, he is he's very savvy about what he signs, uh, especially at shows. I've, I've seen him interact with people like that. And Bobby knows the value of his rookie card. So if you bring a Bobby Orr a rookie card to get signed, He'll charge you more for that. Just keep that in mind, folks, as you as you are out at the national or whatever. So I mean, I guess if you can afford a Bobby or rookie card, then it probably right. isn't a concern for you. It probably isn't. In all fairness, probably isn't. So those are some recent sells, but you get you got some some uh, recently listed ones. And I'll go ahead and say it. they're over on COMC. Uh, please, so these are actually from eBay. Uh, these are. Oh, I'm He's sorry. eBay, but yeah. Oh, I did the COMC thing there. Yeah. Uh, what? So those those are listed. The, this 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 top one here, Gretzky and uh, Howe at fifteen hundred dollars. And there's eleven watchers of it. Uh, it's it's in Canada, so that's probably why. But um, that's a little bit high. I feel like someone would probably come down off of that, probably to you know twelve fifty if you offered it to them. Well, there is also the theory, because I do this sometimes even when I set up at card shows, I have some cards that I don't really want to sell. Sure. So it's the whole, if you want to overpay for it, right. I'll sell it to you. Exactly. But you know what? For $1,200, uh, I'll keep it. Yeah, you know? I got you. So maybe, who knows, you know, it's a difference could be between a professional seller and a collector. Absolutely. And here is that uh, Gretzky Conway card that, that we just saw recently sold. This one's listed for $250, more or less, and... That's obviously we could tell is a little high. Um, Silent Times, Joe Thornton, and Sergey Samsonov, hundred. Oh, there's a triple. That's the triple. That should be Bork too. That, that should be Bork. So that was listed at 157. Uh, there is a Stevie Stevie Y here for 108, 102, and then the Ole Bordor duel is listed at 69. That seems a little low. It does seem a little low. But, you know. Maybe it's gone by now. Yeah, maybe it is. So, basically, what I was trying to get at, and what you you, you picked up good information here, is this is a 17-year-old card set. And it's still out there. You can still find it. And I think that speaks to, one, the weight of the brand, SPA, the weight of the insert, uh, Sign of the Times, and then the weight of the checklist as well. It's still sought after. Yeah, and I mean, and again, you're not going to see as many because these were one in every four box. So exactly. it's not that it's simple. Right. You can't just say if you've got the money, you can go out and finish it. it might take you some time. Right. Uh, again, just because of how old it is and how, you know, I, I don't want to use I don't want to use an autograph in every four boxes is rare. Sure. But it speaking by mm-hmm. what we're what we're seeing these days that's pretty rare absolutely absolutely let's look at the grading report because you, you printed that out as well yeah i went ahead and took a took a look at it uh one of the things i noticed as i have lost my notes oh he lost his notes or please. lost the lost the note i was looking for i did notice that so i pulled bgs and psa sure and i noticed that it kind of goes back to what I – something I had written on my website at one point, a post I would written about BGS, like, being a little more popular with the newly graded cards. Ah, here it is. So on these, so total between the singles, doubles, and triples, yep. uh, BGS is graded 134 
and PSA has graded just 41. That's a big difference. Which I thought was an interesting, but it does kind of maybe go a little bit to what I've written that, you know, it does seem like, uh, you know, a lot of the newer stuff does tend to go to BGS and, and maybe what is the reasoning for that. Um, you know, I, you can uh, find it on Beans Ball Card blog. I put out a couple of hypo- hypotheses on that. But Look, Looking at the grades, um, looking here first at PSA, there's only six, seven, nine tens out of this set that I'm that I'm seeing, and then you know there's there's a good amount of nines, but well maybe not a huge amount actually. So there's six plus eight is what fourteen. That's a it's still a kind of tough number. I wonder if these graded well, or if they're just not something that people were thought to grade. Yeah, what I had noticed when I looked through it, especially I, you know, for this I really had to go through the uh, the BGS was the ones that have been graded are the bigger names, of course. Um, but yeah, just yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe you take into the account the time it was, and while grading was a thing and all of that, you know, now I mean I feel like in some ways, you know, people don't even want to deal with a card if it's not graded. Absolutely. And 17 years ago, it wasn't that way. 17 years ago, I thought of PSA as, oh, is my card real or not? Sure. Because I was thinking of vintage and things right. like that. That was originally what I thought about. So I don't know if there's, uh, you know, any, like, correlation with that or any reasoning behind that. Uh, no black labels, so you don't have to worry about uh, anybody doing that. No tens stuff. either. Yeah, no tens. Uh, just a handful of nine fives, And then... You know, nines, eight fives, eights, seven fives. A four. A four. But it's a Bobby Orr, so yeah. you know what? You want to get that bad boy and uh, that bad boy in some plastic and not. Uh... I think interesting. The most important card on here that I see has a great that has a grade on it is the Wayne Gretzky uh, Gordy Howe duel. There's eleven nines, two and just two nine fives. Then there's five eight fives and one seven five. It's not one that has been graded a whole lot. And then the really big one, the Gretzky, How, or there's there's three eight fives, three nines, and one nine five. That's seven out of twenty five graded. Yeah. So I wonder if any of those are resubmits. Yeah. You got to think that. And I was kind of thinking that on the Gretzky Howl too, because that came out to nineteen mm-hmm. out of ninety nine. So we're talking twenty percent of those graded. Sure. Seems seems a little high considering we don't see a lot of other stuff. Right. But I guess you know at the end of the day, if you're going to submit something, you're going to submit that. Exactly. You'd be more opt to submit that than say the Mike Comrie, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I went through and I highlighted. I mean, everybody that I think had either, I think the minimum was three. No, it looks like four. I mean, it's, here's the ones that have more than four submitted or graded through BGS. The Bobby Orr, the Gordie Howe, the Waugh, the Ray Bork, Iserman, Gretzky, Orr Boomeister, Waugh Bork, Gretzky Howe, uh, Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, Gretzky, Gordy, Howe, Bobby Orr, and then the Spezza Zetterberg. One of these things does not belong. I think the Spezza Zetterberg is actually, again, I believe this is their rookie season. So it makes sense from that standpoint. If it's their rookie season, and I, again, I'm not looking at a computer right now. I don't know for sure, but I believe it's their rookie season. So it makes sense that those two would have a card, and um, both of them have had had 
very long careers. Very long careers. Successful. successful careers, so it makes sense. And maybe, who knows, maybe they were graded early on because, like you yeah. said, it was rookie year. And, oh, two hot rookies, let's go ahead and get this graded and right. sell it. So, you know, definitely uh, definitely a possibility. But it, definitely that one stuck out a little bit more, uh, you know. Sure. Yeah, like, it stuck out. Absolutely. All right. Uh, closing thoughts on this set? Man, I miss the days when autographs mattered. Sure. Absolutely. You know, every autograph you got, you were like, okay, maybe it's not the Gretzky or Hal, but man, I'm happy that I just got one because I'm only going to get one, one out of four boxes. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's really, you know, but like you said, Sign of the Times is iconic. I can think about, I was uh, a few years before this, I was really collecting NASCAR a lot and loved the Sign of the Times. And even every once in a while I go through and may pick off one cheap. Sure. Now, probably since I'm in like my 37th card purge, I'm probably going to get rid of them. But nonetheless, <laughs> so you definitely would pick those up every once in a while because it is it's one of those things that's iconic and it's just stood the it test of 25 time. years. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to end this segment, this portion of this segment uh, with a little giveaway. Uh, you don't know about this because I haven't told you. But today I opened a box of 2018-19 SP Authentic Coffee and uh, was hoping to pull a sign of the times card and i pulled a really nice one i pulled a triple of tony amante uh mark messier <laughs> you had me at amante i was like oh is this gonna be all blackhawks no so he did play for the blackhawks yeah. for a long time so amante messier and um mike gartner from so all all for the rangers it's numbered out of 15 so this is what we're gonna do to enter the giveaway, I need you to retweet this show with hashtag FatPacksSOTT. That's sign of the times. FatPacksSOTT to enter, and we will pick a winner uh, on next week's show for that card. It's beautiful. I fear that I am ineligible for that. You cannot win it. Ah. You can definitely help promote it and get the word out uh, about the, the, the giveaway. Speaking of get the, getting the word out, Brings us to the next part of this conversation, uh, as you said, the opinion uh, part of this conversation. Edit how about editorial? The, the editorial. I feel like the news always ended with an editorial. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the the last minute of of sixty minutes had something. You know. All right. So this is a conversation that I've seen a lot lately, and I guess I've just been paying a little closer attention attention to it lately, but. Guys and gals who get on social media and announce that they're leaving the hobby, uh, they need to take a break. They need, uh, you know, it's it's they're addicted to it. It's it's ruining their lives, and they get to so they take to social media and they they post that they're leaving. I think it's really it it looks really really desperate, and it desperate for attention is what I mean. And I understand that there are serious situations where people need to step back and, and take take time away. But the amount that I'm seeing as of late, and again, maybe maybe it's always been like this. I'm just noticing it now. But the amount that I've seen it as of late, it's almost unsettling in that it just makes the whole hobby look desperate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, we were talking before the show, and I know that in the past when I see somebody saying, 
oh, leaving the hobby, selling all this, blowout prices. I mean, my spidey senses are like, yeah. you know, I've been collecting 32 years and I've never been ripped off mm-hmm. because I guess I am a little bit more of a skeptical person. Okay. But yeah, it definitely does have that, you know, kind of desperation feel. And I don't think it's just you that's noticing it just now because I tweeted last week about how I'm going to do, like I joked earlier, my 37th card purge. Sure. Because I kind of want to downsize my collection, downsize my life Mm -hmm. into if I can't remember I need, I have it, do I need it? Right. And, you know, I got some, and I, I guess I announced that, um, but I did get a couple of people going, you know, you know, I've seen this from a few people, what's going on. And in my case, I assured them I'm not leaving the hobby. I'm not going anywhere. This has been a part of more than 75% of my life, but to kind of confirm what you had said, yeah, it does seem to be out there a little bit more. And I guess maybe I, I, you know, we had talked about some examples and I think they were more from Facebook and I tend to stay away from the Facebook groups Mm -hmm. other than there's about three card groups I'm in. But I haven't noticed it as much on Twitter, but also things move so quickly. Right. Absolutely. So, but in order to be fair, I I wanted to at least get other opinions about this. Uh, ben chimed in from uh, about the cards. He, you know, he, he had some good points. Uh, watched the breaks. Uh, Ivan had some good points. Um, I think everybody who interacted with us on this, they brought up good points. And so I don't want to come off as, as brash or bold and, and, and be like, all these people are terrible. They sh- they don't need to be doing this because they like those guys brought up. There are legitimate reasons, and I get that. But this, to me, in some situations, is like re- the really a p- passive aggressive post on uh, on on any social media outlet that says, "Oh, I'm having a bad day." Dot dot dot. That ellipses is what pisses me off more than anything else. <laughs> the fact that you even knew that it wasn't that amazing to me. That that is what pisses me off more. It, it's when he knows what that's called. Yeah, no one does, right? I'm I'm sorry. I'm just I'm, I'm a, a little bit of a nerd. I'm sorry. So that is that's the aggravating part. Don't I don't think you need to announce that you're going now. A, another good point that was brought up was some people are so active that they may need to announce a break because it might, it, it might look really odd that they're not. Yeah. I can say that from my blogging time, mm-hmm. I did kind of go through some and said, Hey, I'm probably not going to be blogging as much. I've got, because there were actually people I interacted with that if I didn't post for a week or two, yeah, they'd check in on me. They sure. weren't on Twitter. Right. Or I think that I tweet enough that if I just all of a sudden, you know, just dead air, Mm-hmm. I do think that there are enough people that I've connected with that care about me yeah. that would be concerned. It's just more of a, hey, just so you know, you don't have to text me or whatever. But there is some level of self-awareness. I'm not trying to sound conceited or that I think I'm important and other people aren't. But I do think there are enough people to interact. They would kind of wonder, hey, sure. what's hey, what's going on? And sometimes these people that do it, it's like, ah, okay. Yeah. You know, again, I'm probably coming off a little conceited, and if that's the case, then so be it. But some of them, it's like, okay, you've yeah. got, you've made, you know, you've been on Twitter since 2012, and you've tweeted 300 times. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The one that I see that that irks me on Facebook 
it are guys who and gals, but I'll say guys because I don't I, I don't see girls do this. I don't see them do this to to this point. But guys who come on and be like, oh, I have a beautiful family and a beautiful wife and four kids and uh, they just mean so much to me and I'm really spending a lot of time doing this and I'm addicted to it. And I need to step back and reevaluate my life, my, my, my life. Well, why didn't you do that to begin with? Why didn't you, why didn't you have that conversation with your wife before you started dropping hundreds and thousands of dollars on cards? You know? and, and I get exactly what you're saying. And I, I, I kind of on that one, I can, cause I've talked about it myself. Like, I think that's part of the reason I'm also into downsizing is that I would just, you know, I'd prefer to spend time. You, you know, my wife, you know, me, you know how much I love her and adore her and would be completely lost in this world without her. Absolutely. But it's also sometimes the way you go about it. I don't go through this big spiel of, Oh, woe is me or mm-hmm. I'm spending too much money. And I mean, we can get on another tangent. The people that are like, you know, Oh, this happened and I've got to sell off all my cards. <sighs> Maybe you shouldn't have bought. Let's make sure. Let's be responsible. We've had a lot of talks about side hustles and things. Right. Let's be a little more responsible as a card collecting and, you know, guys and girls. And I'm going to say guys Mm -hmm. because it is guys are more than the majority of the hobby. Let's all be responsible and think about our families and our kids and not let this. and And I know some people have an addictive personality. Sure. I can have it at times, but. You know, let's make sure we take care of the things that this is a hobby. Right. Let's make sure we take care of our family, our wives, our children, our animals, our parents, whoever need it. Yeah. And I guess I'm kind of getting off on that. But it always, it really all is kind of that same thing. It really is. And I guess, I guess it's a personality type thing. Uh, you and I are personality wise pretty much in line with each other on, on, on a lot of stuff. We, we think a lot. We have the, the type, same type of personality we were. I don't want to say we just don't care, but sometimes we just don't you put that on me. <laughs> we just don't care. So, uh, and I get that sometimes that I can come off as an ass. And I think it's, I think it's fair to say that you understand that too. Uh, you but, see my hand. Yeah, raised. For so, everybody watching, my hand is raised. Yeah. But in, in, in reality where this is concerned, I just don't think that that's needed. Um, I did, I, I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago called goodbye Facebook. And I, I wrote it completely tongue in cheek that I was leaving and um, I didn't, I didn't, it was just too much for me. I didn't want to take it, take on it anymore. And like the amount of reaction that I got from family members and friends who read that, like, Oh, I hope you're okay. I'm like, you missed the point completely. I did this mocking you, you know, but that's, that's neither here nor there. So I guess in the long run, I, I don't want to sound like a, like I'm bashing anybody or bashing everybody here but i think before you get to that point it's probably good to reevaluate your your hobby habits uh before you get to that point so you don't have to make that post or even just step back for a little bit because i get burnout we've talked we've talked about burnout on this show you and i have talked about i see it from folks on social media all the time and i get okay so just chill yeah step back for a couple weeks shut you know shut down your social media or if you've got, you know, like me, I've got a Twitter, I've got a card account and I've got a personal account. Just do your personal stuff and, you know, just step back, take some time. Uh, Because the other thing is don't blow out a bunch of cards Mm -hmm. and then regret it. Right. Exactly. Six to eight weeks later. Yeah. I I think there, 
and we're both saying the same thing. There are more reasonable ways to approach your collecting habits or your hobby habits that don't lead to a big passive aggressive post. Remember, but, guys, it's a hobby. Yeah, it should be fun and something you do on the side yeah. of your everyday life. Absolutely. All right, we're going to end that there before I put my foot in my mouth, which I've been known to do. So uh, we're going to stop that there. Again, I want to thank my uh, sponsors, AIAB Card Breaks on the AIAB Card Breaks hotline. You'll, you will hear uh, Sport Card Backs coming up next after this quick break. Then, of course, Dynasty Breaks, Badger Breaks, and Pastime Marketplace. Thank you guys so much for being a part of the show. I really appreciate it. Ken, uh, I'm going to let you get back to saving rescue dogs or whatever it is that you do because you do that best. And uh, thank you so much for hopping on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And just so you all know, he really did do that all from memory. I'm very <laughs> impressed and I would not be able to do that. Oh, my gosh. I just realized we went 40 minutes. Sorry, guys. Long show this week. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is Tanner from CustomCutsOnline.com, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, we're back after that quick break. want to thank uh, Mr. Ken Kinsley for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it as we broke down this month's inserted set. That was 0203 SPA Hockey Sign of the Times autographs. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And then we had a nice little conversation about people who leave um, passive-aggressive comments sometimes about leaving the hobby on social media. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as well. But we're going to move on to our featured guest this week. His name is Andy. You might know him uh, on on Twitter as Sport Card Backs. Uh, he he has one of my favorite accounts to, to to take a look at from time to time because of just the wealth of information that he seems to find and put out there uh, on the back of, of sports cards. Um, first, Andy, please introduce yourself. Uh, let let everybody know how long you've been involved in the hobby. Yeah, so as you said, my name is Andy, and uh, I know it's ridiculous, but I, I'm a teacher, and I don't put out my last name so that I can kind of stay anonymous and uh, not uh, have not be found out by students and that sort of thing. And so um, I started collecting in 1984. Okay. I was six. I don't really know how that happened. I'm guessing uh, my dad had some influence in getting me started, but I also had an older brother who now has no interest in sports whatsoever. But at the time, I guess he was uh, trying it out and trying out collecting. And they're 1984 tops. 84 tops. So I went hard. Go ahead. Yeah, baseball. 84 tops baseball. All right. You went hard on what? I went hard into collecting from 86 to 92. Mm. And as everybody knows, those are not the ideal years. <laughs> right. To be building a collection. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, you you kind of touched on it briefly there, but like, what really got you involved in the hobby? Uh, your brother, who who you say is not into sports now, but like, what was it that really sparked your interest into it that that made you want to get into it? I was a baseball fan. I played baseball. I lived in Georgia, and I was a huge Braves fan and a huge Dale Murphy fan. Dale Murphy was a god if you lived in Georgia in the early eighties early to mid eighties. So explain that to me because like Dale Murphy cards. Yeah. I remember getting Dale Murphy cards. I mean, he, he was coming off back to back MVPs at this time okay. in 84. I remember getting cards of Dale Murphy and it was like, it was like finding gold. I mean, it was just this euphoric experience to be getting a card of Dale Murphy out of a pack. Um, and 
like I said, he was he was like a god in those areas, and so that's really what sparked it. I think, and and for whatever reason, I didn't collect in '85, but '86 tops was really when I jumped into it on my own, and I loved the stats. I got to be honest; like from the <laughs> beginning, I loved turning the cards over and looking at the back. That's really interesting to me because there's so many guys, you know, obviously what the hobby is today is it's all about who's on the card and what ink is on the card and maybe maybe the patch or, you know, whatever. But to to be drawn to the back of the card immediately, that's that's really unique. So 86 tops, everybody's going to is, is going to go to that that Bo Jackson XRC and, you know, the the Barry Bonds as well. Uh, was that Will Clark's rookie year as well? Um, so what was it about 86 tops? Cause I, I gotta be honest with you. I don't love that design. It's not my favorite one, but yeah. people seem to love it. So what was it about 86 tops? Well, it was, it was the set that came out when I was nine. That's what, that's <laughs> okay. what it was about it. I mean, it just, it was what was there, you know, when you go to the store, 86 tops, there weren't uh, 86 Donruss was nowhere. 86 Fleer was hard to find. Tops was everywhere. And that's just, I remember using whatever money I got to buy baseball cards that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought a good a good amount of 86 tops. Um, and I do have that 86 tops traded set as well. That's awesome. That I mean, so who were, outside of the guys I just named, who were some of the guys in there that you were, being a Braves fan, was it was it all the Braves for you, or was it just everybody? It was, it was the Braves. I had a pretty singular focus back then and it was like any brave you got was to me was an awesome card i didn't really know like who was good and who wasn't good you know i mean i got an 86 top cecil fielder it's not like at the time i you know i knew (laughs) that this was a good rookie card and nobody did at that time but i didn't really know you know outside of a few names i remember getting pete rose the pete rose card in the 86 top set is uh it's pretty phenomenal, in my opinion, just because of the back of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the thing about 86 Tops backs was they introduced a couple of things. Okay, now, so you, now you have to written, expound. Written in the first person. <laughs> and that, that story is a true story. It's the inspiration for the movie The Natural. Okay, I got you. All right. Um, it's I got, such a bizarre thing to see on a card back. I, I had to have it, you know, as... as uh, Someone who calls himself baseball card back. Sure. Um, so first, the natural is not my favorite film. I'm just going to go ahead and say that the way that they handled the okay. bullet, the, the bullet inside, uh, inside. I, I forget. I don't even forget his name. Uh, forget his name now. It was played by Robert Redford, Roy right? Hobbs. Yeah, yeah, Roy Hobbs. The way they found this bullet in him and it could have mysteriously exploded at any time was not my favorite storyline. However, to know that that movie was kind of based off this card he was shot by a deranged girl that's nuts how how do you even notice that when what where did that even come from well a twitter follower um shared that one with me and and some of them come that way as uh you know a twitter follower would say hey check this out and then when i saw that one i had to get it another (laughs) little fun fact about that movie i'm sure none of the uh viewers realize this there's a character known as the whammer right he's supposed to be babe ruth yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> a little subtle reference there. <laughs> that, um, other card backs. So 1987 top is a real treasure trove of hilarity, in, in my opinion. There's a lot of guys who derive enjoyment from things in 87 tops. Um, the Moose Haas, and a blast from the past, 87 tops is, is one of the best. 
Okay. It says Moose has a black belt in Taekwondo, is an amateur magician, and a certified locksmith. Oh, man. So he had a lot going on. That dude was the king of his prom, right? Like, he he was getting all the girls, right? <laughs> it's pretty noteworthy that his, the fact that his name is Moose is not the most remarkable thing about him. That That is that is, uh, that is a, another great factoid by you <laughs> be pointed out there. Um, a guy named Moose has to have... Now, come on. Now, I know how cardbacks go, and usually they have the nickname in parentheses or whatever, or in quotation marks. Does this say Moose on the back of it, or does it? Is that his oh, real yeah. name? Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, Moose is is only listed as Moose on any card I've ever seen of him. I don't know what his real name is. I'm sure baseball reference could uh, help us out there. I bet they could. I won't um, look it up now, but <laughs> we'll take a time out. A, a couple other ones. Um, 1974 Tops has some good cartoons, but uh, there's a card of a player named Mike Tyson. Okay. As I'm sure you know, any baseball card collector realizes there's a baseball player named Mike Tyson, but I didn't realize that Mike's nickname is Rocky. Oh, really? That was phenomenal. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice little uh, fun fact for there for you. Rocky, Mike Tyson, uh, Rocky's the, Rocky Marciano, the greatest boxer ever in some people's opinion also a great reference to the movie and mike tyson probably the still the baddest man on the planet uh nice little nickname there. that's that's pretty cool man so yeah you're you're just again you're just drawn to these backs with factoids and and, and weird stats and all this kind of stuff and 88 score you said though that's the one that kind of set it off you, you call that the king of kings i guess why 88 score well you know Someone could probably find a set that has a, a card back that's similar to 88 score that is better. But for me, you know, as an 11-year-old who had been looking at primarily top backs from 86 and 87 and 88 up to that point, you know, Upper Deck gets a lot of the credit for introducing premium cards in 89. But 88 score to me was, was a game changer. Like I said, i have been looking at these single-color backs, mm-hmm. no pictures on the back. I mean, Tops hadn't put pictures on the back since, like, 1971. And then all of a sudden, you got a full-color back. They still fit all the stats and the picture, and they have these super long bios, which if you take the time to actually read the bios on 88 score mm-hmm. are often hilarious um, and, and certainly wordy. And, you know, I just don't know if, it, if that has been matched. It probably doesn't resonate with, collectors because you know most collectors aren't interested in reading all of that and seeing all that they're just more interested in having the card and so you know card companies have realized that's not a good use of their resources to sure. put together a back like that right but i love it you know to me that's uh that's what it should be you know um 88 score is probably one of the most hideous sets I've ever seen. All the different <laughs> colors and, you know, the, the rookie classes and all that. Great. I, I, Tom Glavin's in there, but the uh, – the le- I'm looking at – actually, right now I'm looking at the Tom Glavin, uh, the back. And first thing of note, this is card 638 of 660 cards. So, one, we're still yeah. in ma- – it's, it's a massive amount of cards in the set. But you're right, man. The length of this bio, it probably takes up a good third of the back of the card. And, yeah. you know, today uh, everybody's used to, you know, 240 characters or less. And 
to yep. be able to write a short bio on the back of a card like this is is amazing to me. What are some of your favorites from eighty eight tops with, with some of the bios? I'm sorry, eighty eight score. My bad. I said I said tops. Eighty eight score. What are some of your favorites from them? Well, I know that there is a, uh, a moot pause that contains some of the same information um, that I mentioned before. Um, none of the other ones jump off, jump out to me off the top of my head. I have to think about that a little bit and see if there's any that come to mind. Uh, I know a, a follower on Twitter pointed out to me a couple years back that there was a Dead Milkman reference on one that some player was a, a fan of the Dead Milkman, and I thought that was always interesting. But um, I can't think of one. You know that stands out among those. It was just the, the quantity of information, I guess, that um, that I always appreciated about those cards. Okay, now I I'm a novice here. Who were the dead milkmen? <laughs> um, I don't know a whole lot about them. I do like some obscure music. That is not one of my bands, but they were kind of a a punk band in the '80s. You know, not something that mainstream mm-hmm. music fans and baseball fans would probably know about. And so anytime there's a baseball player that's the least bit quirky, they are, you know, super quirky and different compared to everyone else who plays baseball. So I think it was noteworthy that this this player, and I, I can't remember the player's name. I could probably figure it out quickly, but um, this this player followed the Dead Milkman. Okay. He was a big Dead Milkman fan, and so that was just noteworthy in and of itself. I just looked them up. Uh, they have apparently three hit songs, Punk Rock Girl, Bitchin' yep. Camaro and the conspiracy song. So uh, I want to apologize to to Dub Mentality right now. I'm sure he's a big Dead Milkman fan, and I didn't know their <laughs> didn't know their music. I'm sorry, Dub. I, 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 please forgive me. But uh, that's really great. That Punk Rock Girl was one that uh, I remember being on MTV. Yeah, it looks like an MTV video. It definitely does. That's that's not my wheelhouse at all. '88. Uh, I was very much into, uh, you know. LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, that uh, uh, run <laughs> Run DMC, those kind of guys. I was I had no clue who the Dead Milkmen are. So you educated me, Andy. Andy, the teacher, educated me today on the Dead Milkmen. So <laughs> congratulations, sir, for doing that. All right. So, um, in your opinion, what company does it does the best card backs now? We know that we we covered eighty eight score, but what about now? What company does the best card backs? I gotta admit that I'm not a huge collector of current cards. Okay. Um, my friend Mark Mosley, who I know you know on Twitter is at Mosley underscore Mark. He he has I draw baseball cards. Right. Um, we're friends from way back, and he likes to say that I have the world's worst baseball card collection, and I tend to agree um, because I'm more interested in in collecting old interesting cards that aren't really that much value um, as opposed to things that are valuable or new ones. I do have some newer cards. You know, I, I think score is still the gold, the gold standard for me. Uh, Tops cards back in the day, like I said, were the best for unintentional comedy. Mm-hmm. The early nineties Tops cards, they stepped it up when we got upper deck and all the other companies Tops started putting out a better product, uh, at least on the back, as far as I'm concerned. As far as current tops backs, I kind of hate them. I gotta be honest with you. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is that they stopped putting all the stats on the back. Okay. For some guys, they don't put like rookies. They don't put any single season stats. They just put like career minor league stats. 
I think they got a little too cutesy and self-aware with some of the factoids and comments they're putting on there. And there's a whole bunch of graphics, but not a lot of content. So I don't know if I have a favorite, but I don't like Top's current backs that, um, you know, with the Twitter handles, too. Like, I think we can figure that out without you putting that on there. We get it. You're 21st century, but come on. We don't need to put that on there. Yeah, We don't need your Twitter handle on there. But, you know, at the same time, with like, you know, Panini had those uh, those social signing cards that they did uh, back about five years ago. So I can see where everybody made the move to uh to to the twitter handle at least tops is doing this all the favor and put them on the back of the card we don't need to see it on the front of the card uh like some companies did um all right so uh i gotta ask you about a set that is absolutely riddled with errors it's called it's pro set and it's both in hockey and football and it especially 91 and 92 those sets are just no notorious for errors is there another set like that that collectors should be aware of that is just riddled with errors on the back that, that you've noticed? I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but um, you know when Score put out that first set, mm-hmm. uh, being rookies in the game, I think they were trying to figure things out. And despite my, my love of those backs, they had a lot of factual errors and a lot of just wrong things going on on the backs. Um, so that jumped out to me first. I think... There wasn't one particular set from Tops that I would say had errors, but they pretty consistently had errors mm-hmm. um, in their set. You know, nothing that really jumps out to me, again, in, in terms of a particular set. I was actually surprised when you said Pro Set had a lot of errors because I didn't even realize that. I, I did collect those, uh, mostly the football ones. Um, but I didn't know it had that reputation. That's interesting to me that... Uh, that's the case man andy it's a trevor a treasure trove of of just the most thoughtless errors ever created go to just like go to do yourself a favor when we get done here google pro set hockey errors and Mm. there's a great website that'll pop up that'll show you every error from uh from from pro set and it's Oh, it's amazing. The stuff that they get wrong is is like so simple. Like if someone was just paying yeah. attention, they could have corrected it, right? Uh, another one. Another one comes to mind, and I I didn't know this until recently, and I'm still questioning the validity of it. But you know, it it, it, it might it might be true. Is 1990 Donruss baseball that it seems to be yeah. riddled with errors as well? Do Do you know anything about that? In particular, on the back, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I can't think of anything on the back of a 90 Donruss off the top of my head. Okay. Um, I have always abhorred Donruss backs because of their lack of stats. You know, they, they maxed out at five years. And they were just so, like, generic and cookie-cutter every year. It was just like the same back with a different color every year. Right. Um, and so I didn't spend as much time looking at those for that reason. Um, but, no, I, I can't think of any 90 errors, uh, at least on the backs, that jump out jump out to me from that set from the Donruss set. Okay. Here's another question off the top of the head. 1991 yeah. tops with the glowbacks. We've, we've done a whole episode on glowbacks. You can yeah. go back and find that in the archives with David Wright. It's a great or long fly ball on, on Twitter. If you're looking for him, it's a, it's a great episode, but the glowbacks, what, how did you feel when you discovered glowbacks? You know, I didn't know anything about it. I guess until, Later, I mean, I don't think that's anything that 
that people were talking about back in 1990. Uh, no, is definitely that, not. Is that true? <laughs> no, yeah, def- definitely not. It, it's something that was discovered later. Yeah, so you know, I don't, I don't really know that much about it. I've, I've heard a little bit, and uh, but I haven't investigated any of my cards. So that's one aspect of the backs that I haven't really investigated much. Um, is it that they're are they rarer and more valuable if, if they have the glowback effect? I don't think they're any more rare or more valuable, actually. But okay. just the fact that you can take a black light over over the back of your card and and see a distinct difference is really cool to a child of the yeah. late '80s, early '90s. You know, so and you know, someone who had a Cypress Hill poster up or a Wu Tang poster. How did, would, how did someone figure that out? I don't know. know. Somebody has wet like way too much time on their hands. Uh, uh, we we glossed over cartoons on the back of cards. What are some of your favorite cartoons on the back? So 1974 and 1975 Tops mm-hmm. have the best cartoons, in my opinion. And 81 Tops also has some good ones, but I think 74 and 75 are the best. Um, and then another set that I like, I don't know if this is something that's you know common knowledge out there if I talk, talk about Tops Big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an late '80s set. You know about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're massive. First of all, I'm sorry to cut you off. They're like they're abnormally large cards. They're not five by sevens or box toppers, but like they right. they wouldn't have fit in any sleeve that you had at the time. So I don't right. I don't understand why they were produced. But go ahead. They were just big enough to be annoying, right? <laughs> Absolutely. They had cartoons on the back, which were kind of, a, I think, meant to be a throwback to these earlier years. And they have some good ones. They're, they're full color and uh, some, some pretty comical ones. But I, I think the, uh, the all-time greatest, in my opinion, that I have seen to this point is a 1975 Luis Melendez Tops card. And the picture is of a woman holding a... A photograph holding a framed picture of a baseball player and as you know anytime there was a, a cartoon of anyone the baseball player is always wearing his cap he's got a huge underbite and the woman is kind of um stereotyped in different ways too i, I shall say her her physique <laughs> let's just put it that way okay there are like 12 hearts around her and she's just staring at this this framed picture that she has and right below it, it says, who is considered the card's most eligible bachelor? And then upside down, it says, Luis Melendez. <laughs> I got it. So just the fact that they would put that on a card bag at all, but right. the picture to go with it is pretty fantastic. That's pretty awesome. That is great. Now, you, you mentioned pictures. When I think pictures on the back of cards, not cartoons, pictures, the first set that comes to mind are those early Early upper deck sets, so 90, 89, 90, 91. Those were some of the greatest pictures I saw, I've seen on the back of cards. What about you? What What's some of your favorite uh, pictures on the back of cards? Yeah, well, I, I of course, have to start with, with my gold standard 88 score, uh, <laughs> and the card is Ken Phelps. Okay. Um, I'm a big Ken Phelps fan. Um, his look is timeless. He's got the huge mustache and the glasses. He looks like... Uh, your science teacher and not necessarily your first baseman. <laughs> um, and I've tweeted that card out many times. 92 score Chipper Jones. Don't sleep on that. It is one of the worst photographs you will ever see of a human being, let alone a baseball player. <laughs> if, okay. you, if you look at it, it's, it's kind of hard to even tell it's Chipper Jones. Hold on. I got, I got to look this up while you're talking. 
What's that? I, I got to look it up while you're, while you're telling me about it. Oh, you got to look up the 92 score, Chipper Jones. All right, I'm doing it. It is so, unbelievable. Go ahead, go ahead and finish your thought while I look this up. Okay, so as far as upper decks, um, my current profile picture is a 91 upper deck Dan Gladden. It's just a picture of him giving the thumbs up on the back. Right. But I can't think of a better person to give me a thumbs up than Dan Gladden with his uh, with his late or late eighties, early nineties mullet. Um, <laughs> oh. Ninety three upper deck Dennis Cook. I don't actually own, but uh, he's making an insane face on the back of that card. That was pointed out by a Twitter follower. And ninety four upper deck Randy Johnson, which I also don't own, was pointed out by a Twitter follower. He is. Uh, Holding on to a pole as if he's pole dancing. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Man, okay. This is a uh, – all right, I look this card. This is horrible, first of all. <laughs> but yeah. you, you've uh, – aside from this, Chipper Jones, you have, you have uh, led, led my listeners to some uh, gold, I think, to go seek out and find. And, guys, if you're not following him on, on Twitter, please go do so. He's at SportCardBacks. And uh, you'll see a link there to uh, to Mark Mosley, who we mentioned earlier. And you guys also do a podcast together. Tell me about this podcast. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, we started it. Again, I said uh, we were friends from way back. We have very similar interests in both baseball cards and in baseball stats. And so it was kind of a natural fit for us to do this together. But um, I've always been interested in advanced baseball stats. Mm-hmm. So this, the podcast is called Baseball Beyond Batting Average, and, and it's all about you know what are the other stats that we can use to evaluate players. Um, we started out doing kind of an introduction to advanced stats, one stat at a time, one episode at a time. There's only so many of those you can do. And so after a while, we looked for other topics. And so we are now doing all kinds of things. Uh, we've done a series of investigating a particular position for a particular team. So like we have an episode that is all about brave second baseman. We have an episode that is all about Astros first baseman. And we use the advanced stats to help us kind of evaluate these players and kind of sort through who were the best, who had the greatest seasons. We're trying some new things now. Our next episode is going to be the Mount Rushmore's of the American League West teams so if you take each team which four players would you put on their mount rushmore now and your criteria can be whatever you want your criteria to be but we're going to use the advanced stats of course as uh, among other things and we do include a little baseball card uh talk in there as well we'll often talk about what was the best baseball card of you know a brave second baseman which I'm sure all your listeners know what the best baseball card of a Braves second baseman was. <laughs> Go ahead, later. You know on. what it is? No, I don't. I don't. So um, I'm going to be real honest with you. I've never followed the Braves all that much. Yeah, you know, there's that mid ninety. There's that mid nineties run with with that one hell of a pitching staff. But uh, go ahead, tell me the best Braves Braves second baseman card. Okay. So it's the 1984 Fleer Glenn Hubbard. Oh Nathan. yeah! Oh, absolutely yes. With the with the with the python. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, that thing is amazing. Yes. And it has the Philly fanatic in the background. It, it sure does. It sure does. So you, you mentioned Mount Rushmore, and you said the the AL West. I see that up on the um, 
up on your Twitter feed at BBBA underscore podcast. You guys have, uh, you have questions. Uh, six minutes ago, you just posted the uh, Houston Astros, and I realize this, you're listening to this recording, so it, it wasn't six minutes ago. But I, first, it's I got to point out. Mark, you did that. <laughs> oh, I see. So uh, I got to first point out that you used the Mariners retro logo, which thank you for doing that. I love that logo. Yeah. Um, with being a former employee of the Seattle Mariners, I would like to take a, take a stab at this one if you don't mind. Is that cool? Absolutely, please do. Okay, um, I think this is pretty universal. I think, and I haven't even clicked on the responses yet to see who who the thirty eight guys who replied think it is. But Ken Griffey Jr. is is absolutely on this Mount Rushmore. Uh, uh-huh. Edgar Martinez is absolutely on this Mount Rushmore. Okay. I can now. Here's where it's going to get a little tricky. I think you can flip flop them out. Randy Johnson and King Felix. I think that you could go either way. King Felix pitched a perfect game for the Mariners, so I'm going to go King Felix. And then, okay. And then the third one is Ichiro. I'm sorry, fourth one is Ichiro. Right. So that's my Mount um, Rushmore. Yeah, I don't want to give mine away. Because I know we have a ton of listeners that overlap. I'm being sarcastic, um, <laughs> but I will say that yours is very similar to mine. Okay, I did throw in some personal preference because, as I said, I'm a huge Ken Phelps fan. So I'll just leave it at that. All right, all right. Um, because I didn't just take into account who were the best four, but um, one one criteria for me was whose face would look good on a mountainside. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, clearly, Griffey Jr. is still there then because he's, he's like. Yes, yes. He, Griffey Jr.'s smile will make like a crying baby stop crying, right? He's, he's just got one of the best smiles in <laughs> baseball. So that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and his hat's going to be on backwards on, on the, the mountain for sure. Absolutely. So we're just taking George Washington in his number one spot and putting Griffey there, and we'll be fine with it. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, man, I got to I gotta get back to work, so I want to uh, just say thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, before we get out of here, though, uh, I've mentioned your Twitter handles a couple times, but can you let the listeners know where they can find, one, not only your Twitter uh, and social media feed, but also your podcast so they can check it out? Yeah, so I am at Sport Card Back because uh, baseball card backs didn't fit, but um, my name that shows up is Baseball Card Backs. I, I tweet pretty much daily. Um, and the other account is at BBBA underscore podcast. We have the Baseball Beyond Batting Average podcast, again, with Mark Mosley, who is at Mosley underscore Mark. And our podcast is available on Apple, um, Google, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, and a couple others, but it's pretty <laughs> much everyone that I could do easily is out there. So whatever you listen to, you should be able to find it. And if you like baseball and have any interest in baseball stats and anything baseball cards, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, we do go in-depth in things, but we keep it light. We have a, a lot of uh, silliness and, and banter in between us that I think would uh, appeal to a lot of baseball fans. I, you know what? Guys, go check it out. It's it's a it's if you like you said if you love baseball and you love stats, this is this is where you need to be uh, checking out the show. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. Thank you so much, Andy, for joining me. This was a fun conversation for me. I really appreciate it. And I'll just I'll throw this out there. Uh, if you ever need somebody to 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 hop on the on your podcast, 
I'll do it. I guess I'll do it, you know, if I have to. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> awesome. We love having guests. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, man. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with me this week. I really appreciate that. And until next week, just keep listening. Cue the Drake. Thank you.